Welcome to episode 6 of the 49 Away podcast. We got another packed episode for today and lots to get to as it's been yet another busy week in the NFL. It's hard to believe it's already the first week of August, although it doesn't feel like it because training camp is just getting underway now. There's no preseason to look forward to, although it's terrible football, but preseason for us fans just means we're that much closer to week one. So obviously it feels a little weird that there's 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 no preseason. Today would have been the Hall of Fame game between the Steelers and the Cowboys, which was postponed to next year a few months ago. Having said all that, a modified version of training camp is underway for teams and the road to yet another NFL season is finally underway. Teams are finally back in the building, in the facilities. They're going through individual drills. They've moved the equipment outside. Things look a whole lot different, for especially for some of these players and, and coaches. But they're finally back together. They're in meetings. They, After a long virtual offseason, they finally get to be back with each other, meet everyone in person. So finally, at least something a little a little normal for these players and teams and for us fans as well just to see some of these guys back out on the field is really just a beautiful sight to see having said that on tap for today's episode the 49ers made some moves this week they have two new additions to the team which we'll get to in a little bit the first 49er opted out of the 2020 season this week and of course some players also met the media for the first time Mostert Warner Garoppolo Richard Sherman Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, among some of them that did. And lastly, I'm going to analyze whether the NFL should still consider a bubble for this upcoming season or not. Obviously, time is running out on that scenario, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's start with the big news for the week for the 49ers. They have signed a guy that once upon a time was supposed to be the best tight end in football. Now, George Kittle is the best tight end in football. The 49ers signed Jordan Reed to a one-year deal the ex-Washington football team tight end. He played five seasons for Washington, one under Kyle Shanahan in his rookie year in 2013. His best career stats came in 2015, where he started 14 games, had 87 catches, 952 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Jordan Reed had a breakout year in 2015-2016, but obviously the story of his career is that he's been plagued with multiple injuries that have really held him back from superstar status. Having said that, I think Jordan Reed comes into a great situation because he's played with Kyle Shanahan before, so he's a little bit familiar with the system. And then let alone, you get to be in a room with the best tight end in football in George Kittle and a guy like Ross Dwelly, who was huge in terms of depth last season as well. So some A few people have said this week, once the Niners signed Jordan Reed, they're saying this could potentially be one of the best tight end rooms in football. But of course, the biggest what if comes as if Jordan Reed can stay healthy. If Jordan Reed can stay healthy, this could be the steal of the offseason. Obviously, if he gets banged up and he gets hurt, it won't turn out to be such a big move. But me personally, I'm really excited about it. I loved when I saw the move in the first place. I loved it. I said, this is just yet another weapon for Kyle Shanahan to utilize in his offense. There are so many different playmakers on this on this team, and especially some coming back, coming back from injuries that we haven't seen, like Trent Taylor and Jarek McKinnon and Jalen Hurd, that so many of us are so excited to see how Kyle Shanahan uses these guys. But I'm really excited to see what Jordan Reed can bring to the table. 
The other guy that the Niners signed was just yesterday, edge rusher Deion Jordan, who formerly played for the Las Vegas Raiders and the Seattle Seahawks, also signed to a one-year deal. I like this move. It gives the Niners some depth and versatility at on the D-line. Of course, last year, the Niners struggled mightily when D. Ford wasn't in the lineup, and bringing in a guy like Deion Jordan definitely gives them some serious depth at that position. And D. Ford, we know with his knee and his tendonitis that you never know if he can miss games or if he's feeling good. But the one thing we do know is when D. Ford is in the lineup, and I know a lot of people have, have talked about recently that maybe the Niners are going to cut D. Ford after bringing in Jordan and, you know, it saves us a lot of money. I will tell you this about D. Ford. His impact last season when he was on the field was way too important to cut him now. Maybe next season, year after, it's a very strong possibility. But this is a team that's trying to get back to a Super Bowl this year. And D. Ford's presence on the D-line was felt last year. I always go back and say, you look at those last four regular season games that he missed. The Niners were giving up 30, 40 points a game. It was brutal. He comes back in the Minnesota game and the defense looked immortal. That's the difference that a guy like D. Ford can make on that defensive line. But in case he misses games, John Lynch goes and brings in depth in Deion Jordan. And personally, this is what personally what I like is that this is what John Lynch does so good. He doesn't bring in these flashy guys like trading up for a guy like Jamal Adams and giving a ton of draft capital. But he will make moves that will make this football team better and includes that by having such good depth and it was so obvious last season especially on the offensive line because you had four starters miss games throughout the year you had Staley miss a good chunk of the season McGlinchey missed a few games Richburg missed the end of the year and you had Mike Person miss a few games near the end of the season as well so you had some of these guys miss games but then you have guys like Justin School who came in and played great Daniel Brunskill had to play guard and tackle and played great. And Ben Garland was fantastic down the stretch at center filling in for Richburg. So just things like that when it comes to depth, John Lynch has been superb at it. And this is another move by bringing in a guy like Deion Jordan and bringing in a guy like Jordan Reed are huge for this football team. I love it. I hope that they're healthy and they can make an impact for this team. Because if they do, this Niners team just continues to get more scary by the minute. Obviously, another piece of news this week, the first 49er opted out of the 2020 season. That was wide receiver Travis Benjamin, who signed this offseason from Cle- or from the Chargers. Sorry, He played in Cleveland with Kyle Shanahan, so he was familiar with the system, and that is why he signed with the Niners. I don't think he would have made that big of an impact. I don't think he would have made the 53-man roster. I think I'd probably get to maybe six names before I get to Travis Benjamin's name. Having said that, maybe he could have challenged some guys like Adante Pettis or something like that, but I don't think he would have made a significant impact to this team anyways. But there is just maybe about 20 minutes left before it hits 4 o'clock. So as of right now, unless anything drastic happens, Travis Benjamin is the only 49er that will opt out. And the 49ers should have pretty much the same team that they had last year, obviously with a few minor changes heading into the season which I think is great and because of the continuity there I think whatever hits this team they're going to be able to adjust and I think that's going to be the biggest thing for this team is whoever adjusts to whatever situation and adapts 
So whatever comes their way is going to be the team that holds the trophy at the end of this. Richard Sherman mentioned something in his media availability a few days ago, and he went on to say, teams that adapt the best are the ones who will be holding the trophy at the end. And he also mentioned that opting out was never a conversation for him. This I find so interesting because Richard Sherman, I honestly thought there may have been a chance that he might have opted out. And if he opted out, let's be real, we would have been screwed in our secondary. Having said that, he's not. He's focused on getting back to the Super Bowl. And that's why Richard Sherman as a leader and the leader that he is and the captain that he is for this team is not going to is not going to opt out and is going to play this season. But I love that quote because it is very true. You have no idea who's going to test positive at any time, if the season's going to shut down at any time. You just have no idea. There are so many unknowns and uncertainties at any point in time that, yeah, this year's Super Bowl winner, you're going to have to come overcome so much. And already, you go through a virtual offseason, you come into training camp, and you're already behind the eight ball a little bit, especially for some of these rookies. I really think that. And it's funny because... A lot of these, in, a, in all these sports leagues, the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, a lot of people are saying, should there be an acertic if, if for whoever wins the championship of their respective league? I think, sure, you could say that depending on, you know, how the season goes. But if the NFL wants to go and play a full 16-game season, I don't see why that should be an option. Because you're playing a full 16-game season, if anything... If you have to go through certain things like a positive COVID test to one of your star players and overcome things like that, that's a big deal. And that will really show the resilience of a team and not just relying on one player. And that's the thing that I'm going to find so interesting about this season if the season goes as planned and goes through a 16-game season and into the playoffs. I really do think that that's the key. Whoever adapts to the situation the best is going to be the one holding the trophy. I completely agree with Richard Sherman on that. Another quote from this week was Raheem Mostert, and he went on to say, which is funny because this quote, I honestly think that the, that this is a quote that the media would have twisted, but so far I haven't heard anything yet, which is good, but they would have twisted and say, oh, Raheem Mostert is guaranteeing that the 49ers are going to go back to the Super Bowl. The exact quote Raheem Mostert said was, we are going, we are going to be back, and we will win this time, and that is our expectation. This is not a guarantee because at the very end, he said, that is our expectation. That is the 49ers team's expectation, that they're going to be back, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. Of course, we all know that. That's not a guarantee. There's no guarantees. We already know how hard it is for teams to get back to the Super Bowl, but I love Raheem Mostert's mindset. I love this team's mindset. I love the fact that guys like Trent Williams went on to say that opting out wasn't even a conversation for him. And I love that because going back to Raheem Mostert for a second here, he also mentioned in his media availability that he has a 13-month-year-old son, very, very young, and he's also, him and his wife are also expecting another kid. That's a lot for Raheem Mostert, who's a father, has to deal with that. And he's willing to leave his family and his wife, who's expecting another kid and already has a very young son, to play football. I mean, that's that's the definition of a team player. Not just as a football player, 
but being a father as well. Raheem Mostert is just being a team player for his family. He's being a team player for the team. That's what I, I respect the hell out of Raheem Mostert. Everything that he's handled this offseason. He, the guy is really a class act. And I'm so glad that he is still a 49er. And he's a part of this team. Because he's a huge part of this team. But back to the whole thing of, of some of these guys not opting out. I love it because they all have a common goal. They're all so locked in on getting back to the Super Bowl. It just makes me excited for week one. I'm just, I'm so excited to get to week one to just watch this team because if the Niners don't make it back to the Super Bowl, it's, you know what, it is what it is. But to watch this team grow throughout the year and try to get back to a Super Bowl, it'd be one of the coolest things to see because it just, it rarely happens. It doesn't happen very often. But the Niners have a team that is so set on getting back. And when you look at the players on this team and the guys you have in that locker room, this is a team that can get back to a Super Bowl. Having said that, there is a lot of competition in the NFC, which brings me to my next piece of what I'm going to talk about. The 49ers waived DJ Reed, free safety, who's been with the Niners for the last few years. He did suffer a torn pec, so he was out for the year anyways, but the Niners waived him because... I guess John Lynch was thinking we could use this extra roster spot for something else. He did mention that in his media availability as well. And of course, DJ Reed was claimed by another team. And why are we all not surprised by the Seattle Seahawks? They always do this. The Seahawks do this all the time. Whoever the Niners release, the Seahawks are usually the first team to jump on them right away. They did it with Mike Davis. And they they did it, I believe. No, Mike Upati went to Arizona first, then he went to Seattle. But Seattle's ended up with so many different players. It's been ridiculous. But here they are again, taking a guy like DJ Reed. And Seattle and San Francisco, it's funny. There's this, there's this almost like this little war going on here. The Seahawks trade for Jamal Adams and then explicitly say that, you know, one of the reasons why we got him is to stop George Kittle. And then the Niners go out and work out Deion Jordan and Ziggy Ansa, two ex-Seahawks. And then the Seahawks go and claim DJ Reed. And now it is rumored that they're interested in possibly signing veterans Everson Griffin or Clay Matthews. It is so interesting to see this because it's almost as if Seattle knows that we're out to get San Francisco. They were that close last year that it's like, we're out to do that. That that week eight game at CenturyLink Field, boy, oh boy, that is going to be something. And thank heavens that the 12th man isn't going to be a part of that one, at least hopefully. But if they do, my oh my, that is going to be an, a very, very exciting game. And they meet again week 17 at Levi's. And I, I like I said, when I did the schedule episode, when I broke down the 49ers schedule, I certainly hope not that game does not have to come down to what it came down to last year. And it's just not needed. But the Seahawks and Niners, that's going to be an, another epic rivalry, another epic two games. You could possibly make the case that those are the best two teams in the NFC, not the Saints and the Niners. The NFC is just ridiculously stacked. We'll talk about more about going down a breakdown of the NFC in another episode. So now we're on to the last topic here, which is should the NFL consider 
playing in a bubble this year. Obviously, we are so late in the game now. It's August that it's kind of too late now to think about playing in a bubble. But it's ironic that the three leagues, or the four leagues rather, that have started playing so far, you got the MLS, the MLB, the NHL, and the NBA. Three of those leagues went into a bubble the MLB did not and it's ironic that when the MLS started it was Dallas and Nashville that tested positive they did not participate in the tournament we haven't heard anything since MLS tournament has gone on just fine the NBA are in a bubble there's been no players that have tested positive NHL haven't heard anything big so far however the MLB The Marlins had that huge outbreak earlier in the week or last week. The Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals had a huge outbreak as well. And the Philadelphia Phillies were also impacted it by as well. That's three teams that were tested positive. And what the MLB did was you're going to opposing ballparks, flying home and away. But they only did teams are only facing teams in their respective regions. So the American League East plays the National League East and their own divisions. That is what I initially thought the NFL should do. I thought they should do maybe like NFC West, play their usual division, divisional opponents twice a year, and then face the AFC West teams once, which would bring you to about 10 games in a season and all playing in a bubble. I thought that's very possible. The downside to that idea is you're going to need more than one stadium because you cannot use the same stadium with the same turf. That's just not going to work for footing and players are not going to enjoy that. Unless it's turf, then I guess it possibly could be a thing. But for scheduling and all that, I just don't know if it would be feasible to do something like that. Having said that, when I look at what each league has done so far... I think the NFL going into a bubble, it's, I think it's the safest thing to do. Having said that, it's hard because they're trying to start an entire regular season. The NBA, the NHL, and the MLS all kind of did tournament-style formats, right? The NBA only did an eight-game regular season, which was almost technically kind of a round-robin. And then they get right into the the playoffs. The NHL went right into the playoffs just with an extra round called the qualifying round. And then the MLS literally just made a tournament. So I think if you're going to be in a bubble because there's not enough arenas and there's limited amount of facilities to use, it would be best used if you are playing in a tournament, not in a whole season. It would be very hard for the NFL to have all the games that they do, have the amount of one o'clock games they have on a Sunday with teams on a bubble. If you kind of get what I'm saying here, it would be harder than not to do that. Having said that, I thought my initial idea would have been good, but I don't know. But this is the idea that I was thinking of a while back. And this is what I was thinking here is you have... Eight teams in a bubble. So, like I said, four teams in like the NFC West, four teams in the AFC West. And they they are all in one bubble. Let's just say, for example, Arizona. 
They play out a 10-game schedule. And the same thing that happens there, seven teams come out of a conference and they go to a bubble. So the wild card and divisional playoffs would be in a bubble in a stadium. That is where I find things hard because now you're adding an extra playoff game, whether if the NFL stuck to their old format, it would have worked. You had one game on Saturday, one game on Sunday. You could do that. But this is going to be harder because now you might have two games on Sunday, one game on Saturday. It might be harder to have three games in a weekend in one stadium. That might be a very difficult thing to do to get everything set up and and all that. There's a lot of stuff that that would go into play. The last thing that I think here that obviously, I like I said, I think the bubble is the safest thing for the NFL to do, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Just just because of the scheduling and the amount of facilities and stadiums, it's, it's just not very possible, which is probably why they haven't thought about doing it. But here's one thing I think the NFL should consider 100% here is I don't think the Super Bowl should be in Tampa Bay. I think to have... An event and a game of the magnitude that a Super Bowl has. And who knows if they're going to have fans or no fans. No one really knows how that's going to work. But Florida is the hotspot of the pandemic. I just don't think it's safe to have. And I believe it was Philip Rivers that mentioned this earlier in the offseason. That what if it's Super Bowl week and you test positive? I mean, then again, that could happen anywhere. It doesn't matter where the Super Bowl is. But it would be more likely because they're in Florida. Now, here's the downside to this of why it would be difficult to switch a Super Bowl host city now. Is because a lot of these other cities, especially LA and Vegas, who are opening new stadiums. They're not going to want to step up to the plane and be like, I don't want to have a Super Bowl in the year of the pandemic when we can make so much more money in another year when we're back to normal and fans can get back in the stadiums, they can make so much more money, whether right now you're probably not going to make as much as you would normally do. So that's a downside to that. But when we're talking about a bubble and should the NFL do it, it would be very difficult, I think, for the NFL to do it. But I think regional games would have been the answer and, ha- and try your best to at least work out a bubble. But the NFL hasn't really said anything. There's been no news articles, no press releases or anything that have said that they've even considered a bubble. But having said that, it is what it is there. And hopefully the NFL season goes to plan. I think no fans should be allowed in the stadium, period. I just, I just don't think it makes sense. No league is doing it. I don't know why the NFL thinks that they're any different by saying we'll let teams decide how many fans can. Do. I just don't. It just makes no sense. Just if, if, just say all teams have no fans and that's that. I don't know why some are saying twenty five percent can come in or ten percent or whatever. It's just dumb. Just leave it as it is and have no fans in the stadium. Period. Anyways, that is the end of this week's episode six. Next week's episode, we're going to talk fantasy football for everyone. Of course, fantasy drafts are coming up soon and the impacts of obviously 
COVID-19 and fantasy because there is a definitely a significant impact in fantasy but we'll talk about that next week as well as we'll look at a bunch of different positions quarterback running back wide receiver tight end and who we think is are the top picks for this year some dark horses and all that coming up next week thanks for listening and don't forget to give the 49 away a follow on instagram for more 49ers news and analysis